Hey Hawks fans, Luke Bruce here. CJ here. Jarman here. If you love the Hawks, then you need to be connected to the Hawks Insiders. It's got all the latest news, match recaps, interviews and specialised content written by the Hawks fans for the Hawks fans. Make sure you subscribe. Get your daily dose of Hawthorne content into your inbox. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Here from Jarman MP for the Insiders. Okay, everybody, welcome back for 2024. Ashley Brown here. We are the Hawks Insiders, our first live Twitter space for the new year as the season comes uh, appears on the horizon all too quickly. We're thrilled to be back looking at all things brown and gold, everything to do the wonderful world of the Hawthorne Football Club and, and is a wonderful world today. We'll get to that in a little bit. Great excitement today as a favourite son comes home. We'll talk about that very shortly. But lots to get through in the meantime. Great to be with you. Great to see so many familiar faces back looking tanned and refreshed and waiting to hear what we have to say tonight. Looking forward to the deep dive into the Hawks. As I welcome my friends and co-hosts and partners in the Hawks Insiders uh, in the controls this evening is Andrew Weesey. Hello. Good evening, Ash. Happy New Year to you and to everyone. And definitely uh, today's probably been the peak of it so far from from a Hawthorne point of view, but very, very exciting times ahead, which is um, which is a, a good. We're a good club to be part of at the moment. Uh, Darren Levine, hello. Hi, Ash. Hi, everyone. Thanks again for joining. And yeah, it's it's always good to be uh, part of part of a club that hasn't played a game yet. And so um, there's n- nothing to complain about just yet. Everyone looks incredible on the track, and uh, you know, looking forward to playing finals footy um, very shortly. The can argument, nothing to complain about, is Brad Klebanski. Hello, Hello Brad. all. Happy New Year, everyone. What a great day. Favourite son comes home. Looking forward to a brilliant 2024. Everyone, as Daz has mentioned before, looks great on the track, other than Will Day, Touchwood. Everyone's fit and firing, so a lot to look forward to. We'll get to the housekeeping first, and we are... As we we dropped this dropped uh, yesterday or the day before, we've had tremendous interest already. We're very pleased to confirm our first ever Hawks Insiders live panel show. We will be at the Glen Ferry Hotel in Hawthorne, at the heart of the Hawthorne, the old the Hawthorne Footy Club, uh, a couple of drop punts away from uh, Glen Ferry Oval um, on March thirteen. Uh, doors will open from 6.30. We'll probably kick off proceedings around 7.30. We see this is your baby. Just run through the key points of the evening. Yeah, well, as you said, Ash, very, very excited. And um, as much for the panels themselves as just being able to all be in, in a room together and and certainly some of, um, some of the rusted-on Hawks insiders... Um, Friends that are always joining us have already purchased tickets, 130 tickets available. We've already sold 50 of them and they went on sale yesterday. So if you're listening, whether you're listening live in the space or once the podcast drops and hits the sub stack, make sure you check out 
um, the link to the event, get your tickets. It's going to be a wonderful night. It's going to be a fun night. And we've got um, some monster guests already on board. So it, it's going to be an absolute ripper. And we've also had quite a few um, questions and queries from um, interstate interstaters who aren't going to be par able to be at the venue on the night and we're looking at some potential options for what can be done there so stay tuned um, but if you haven't already make sure you jump on board and grab your tickets because I've, I've got no doubt people will be missing out and, and we really want to get as many of you in the room as possible. It will be a great night. We'll start dropping some of the guests very soon, but uh, I think they will add tremendously. So you don't have to listen to the five or six of us blabbering on all night. There will be some uh, interesting people, great Hawthorne people there. So it should be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to meeting you all and previewing. It's only about three days before the Essendon game in round one. So by then we'll have all firm opinions on how the season's shaping up. Um, Brad will drop his selection dissection. For round one, the uh, that'll be the whole other show, no doubt, and then we'll have a uh, that'll be done behind chicken wire, so people can throw things at Brad thereafter in Blues Brothers fashion. Brad, do you want to say something? I was just going to say it's a perfect chance for people to come and abuse me in person, so I'd love to see as many of you there. It'll be worth it. I might see what you wish for, Brad. Well, I might see if we can get one of those dunking boots. More than happy. I'm happy to to donate the money to charity. So yeah, (laughs) happy for you to do it, see. We'll make a fortune. It's going to be loads of fun. We're very much looking forward to it. Um, so that, um, we'll drop more information uh, as it gets along. Now, the usual format tonight, we're going to wrap things up pretty sharply around 9.30 tonight. But uh, if you've got a question, you want to get involved in the conversation, uh, request to speak, we'll get you on. If you've got a comment, to drop them in the comments field uh, and we will get to them as well. Uh, the Hawks have been back at it for a couple of weeks now. Like most teams, the slightly longer breaks the industry really does shut down till about the 10th or 11th of January. So the Hawks have been back at it now for two to three weeks. They are on their training camp down at in the heart of Geelong Territory. I wonder whether that was by design or by default, Daz, that uh, trained at Warren Ponds, which is Geelong trained there many occasions. So they've trained in the heart of Geelong and now they're down in Torquay, which is where all the Geelong players live. And I think a former Hawthorne player might live down there by the name of Isaac Smith as well, who has a bit to do with Geelong. So in the heart of enemy enemy territory, um, they had a full-on match sim today. We're going to get Mick on shortly, who's been watching a fair bit of training. Not sure where he got down. He's been down to the coast to watch this week, but he's watched enough of training to have some firm views. We'll get to him very shortly. The bit of news out of today was that um, listening to uh, Channel 9's Braden Ingram on SEN Sports Day this evening, uh, the Wiz had his hand trod on and uh, had to go to hospital for x-rays, but they've come back negative. So I imagine it's just some bad bruising and he will be back on the track, you would think, before too long. And uh, Marby or Troll, and this is an interesting one. I want to sort of throw this one to you straight away. We see got hurt a couple of times, you know, really got battered into uh, during the match sim today. And according to Braden Ingram, refused to come off. He basically waved the trainers and coaches away and said, oh, I'm staying on. Now, the interpretation for that could be that he has a bit of a reputation 
that precedes him for being a little bit injury prone and uh, easily put off his game. But perhaps he is so determined to prove a point and to demonstrate his resilience and a bit of toughness that he chose to stay on today, uh, despite the fact that the coaches were happy enough for him to come off. Yeah, look, I reckon, and and certainly Mick's seen a lot of uh, Marby or uh, across preseason, not necessarily on the track the whole time, but I reckon Ash, depending on which side of the fence you sit, you could mount an argument to suggest what that actually means. I think if you look in totality at his progression over the preseason and the reports over, certainly from Mick, the the um, stuff that he's been involved in in January, um, as well as the, the little snippets from today, he and the forward line seem to be tracking really, really well, um, which is a positive because I think all of us in our um, in our New Year's questions, the, the biggest questions on our Mind article that we put out had... Um, something about the functionality of the forward line. It seems to be clicking and and maybe, Brad, it's worth you um, talking to this because you put out your hypothetical forward line on Twitter today and that went absolutely, absolutely nuts with plenty giving their thoughts, opinions, and you're going to have a really, really tough time regardless of how things go over the next few weeks in terms of picking the starting forward line for round one. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be a nightmare, and I feel for the coaches, but it's a good position to be in. Uh, Mick, I'm sure, is going to talk about it shortly. But, yeah, I put out my hypothetical, you know, forward line to start off uh, the season. And when you compare it to what we had out, you know, out on the park round one last year, I think our forward line this season is a million times better. I looked at that team last year. We had Fergus Green, uh, Kajitsky play down there. Lloyd Make play down there at the start of the year. Uh, the biggest one, which is quite controversial still, when Daz uh, wrote a great piece on it, is the Blake at Hardwick move to the forward line. He's going to start the season in the forward line. The majority of the people in my replies, I disagree. So if it starts slowly and if he struggles in the forward line at the start of the year, our supporters are going to come for Salmon fast because... The majority, I reckon, nine out of ten people believe Blake Hardwick should still should start the season and remain in uh, the back line. So it's going to be very interesting uh, to see. So it'd be interesting to get uh, mixed comments on that one. We'll call Mick in. So your par forward line that you put on the ex formerly known as Twitter uh, late today, Brad, was half forwards Hardwick, Lewis Moore, forwards Bruce Troll Ginnivan. Interchange, you got Watson and McDonald and Sam Butler. I'm lucky. Mick, welcome. You, uh, you've you been camped out at Waverley for much of the summer. How, wh- how do you think it stacks up? How, how are you seeing it all come together? My big fear is that the forward line will take time to gel. and That might be the cost of a game or two early in the season because it's the one part of the ground. There's so many new pieces and a third forward line coach in as many years. How are you seeing it all come together forward of the ball? Yeah, I think I think you're right, Ash. It's going to be a work in progress. Hi, everyone, too. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a work in progress because like I didn't get out of Geelong because um, I had a few other things on this week. But um, yeah, in terms of how they're going to structure, particularly amongst the small forwards, is going to be the real key. I think what's going to be the mix. And I don't know. Looking at Brad, what Brad put up today, I'm not sure that Moore will play as a forward. 
I just think he gets forced out. Um, people asked, you know, had chat about Chole before. He's an interesting watch, I think. Uh, before Christmas, he was off to the rehab group and running with Lewis and Gunston and Reeves and uh, Seamus Mitchell and CJ until the last two weeks before Christmas. And then post, and he, was, he looks very casual, very laconic. Then he's joined into the main group post Christmas. And he's, again, very laconic in the first couple of weeks. Um, is And when they go from drill to drill, he's one of those guys who asked one of the support staff to kick him a ball. And he'll have a shot for goal from the pocket, from 50 out, either at the, the start or the end of the drill as they're transitioning across. Um, but then he did a really good running session last week, which because prior to that, he had been in the in the back end of the slowest group. And I said, yeah. It's probably disrespectful to say, but the judge, you judge him as being quite a good athlete. And then does he actually have a tank? Well, the jury was out. But what I saw last week, he seems to have a better tank than what he had prior to um, prior to that week. And there had been that issue about his knee. So whether that's come good. Um, and again, going to the earlier point, when they did the four by one kilometre run, he was one of the first off to get a little bit of a massage after the run before going to the next transition into the next activity. Um, so again, you know, your point earlier about today, tough again out might be part of that reset, so to speak. But um, yeah, the more Ginevan, Watson, um, how they fit in with Bruce is, is probably one of the key things. And the other one, of course, is Gunston. Um, they played a sim game last week. Gunston missed the first half, just watched on, as did Bruce, then they came on. And Gunston showed his usual tricks, like he he left blank the dead at one stage, just lost him on the lead, you know, and kicked it from an angle, you know, as Gunst, as we all know, Gunston can. Um, yeah, that fourth half will be a real work in progress. Hickmont, you know, seems very switched on. You know, they they run some interesting drills amongst themselves as well through the through the past couple of weeks as they've all got on the track. Um, and again, my suspicion was Lewis would play further up the ground, but then he and Chole both interchange between say full forward and that floating you know up to the wing in terms of uh, matching uh, opportunities again and both of them are really good field kicks as i put in the report the other week so that's an advantage as well so yeah it's sort of rambled on there but that gives you a bit of an idea right yeah i just wanted to follow up on the more stuff when you look at the structure and the plays that we've bought in it's an interesting one as mick has said but if you look at the forward line, if Moore doesn't play there, where you've got Chol, Lewis, Hardwick probably playing as that hit-up forward, Bruce, uh, Ginevan, none of those players tackle and put uh, pressure. Dylan Moore in that lot, I believe, is probably would be our number one uh, tackler. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Ginevan at Collingwood or Ginevan averages less than two tackles a game. And for someone that plays the position that he does, that's not going to be good enough. He needs to work on his uh, tackling. And I reckon more in that lot, if you put all those names down on paper, other than more, who else in that forward line is going to be that pressure forward? I think Sam Butler's got potential, but I don't think he's going to be in our best side come the start of the season. To have a small forward who pressures and tackles is arguably the most important forward in the game at the moment. And other than Moore, I don't think we have that player. Watson, maybe, but we haven't seen him play at the level yet. Yeah, I understand the argument, Brad. And the thing about Watson, it's, I've got a personal personal one. He is small. Like him tackling a couple of blokes at the moment, they just they just 
um, you know, don't argue, he bounces off. Um, and equally, when he gets tackled, if he gets tackled by the jumper, he can break it. But he gets if a bloke gets two arms around him, um, he's not quite strong enough yet to break through the tackle. Um, McDonald's the one, possibly. Butler has been interesting. In any match sim, he's been off the wing. They haven't put him in the forward half at any stage that I've noticed um, because they just haven't had the, the opportunity, so to speak. Um, yeah, but the forward pressure you know, might have to be team pressure. You know, that, that's the thing. And that might be the discerning point of getting the game with Mitch. How's Ginevan looking, Mick, so far? Yeah, he's, he's interested. You know, he's engaged. Um, he played, you know, I didn't see any different what he played at Collingwood. Um, he linked up a couple of, you know, he's very clever, obviously. And he linked up a couple of times with Gunston and Watson. Um, yeah, he is, yeah. He's, he's the known he's, what he's shown at Collingwood. He hasn't shown any different, you know, on the track anyway in terms of playing. Um, and he appears to get on well with the other blokes. You know, they're, they're chatting to him. Wears a different hand, headband every training session, I think. <laughs> different colour. But uh, no, he seems. You know, have you worked you out what we trade? Sorry, go on. Have you worked out a rhyme or reason to the colours on a day like is pink a certain no. day no, and a certain reason no. or green another day? Have you, have you, have you, have you cracked the code? Uh, <laughs> I haven't cracked the code. It might be the one that's cleanest, perhaps. You know, I don't know. It's interesting. He came back probably with the best tan of, of all of them. Um, but, yeah, no. He, he, yeah. He, when you look at what we tra- what we lost over the pre over the trade period, et cetera, he's a definite up- upgrade. So, you know, we go from there. There are kind of people who think that he reached his ceiling. That you know, he, he, you know, he came on, burst on the scene, does what he does, but they actually don't see a lot of upside in in in, in and given the fact that he, you know, he's barely best twenty three for them last year. They they don't see a lot of upside. So the challenge is going to be: is it, how can he take that next 20 percent? He probably needs to. And what Mitchell has seen, and that you know, perhaps Collingwood and others couldn't. Is it a different game plan that Hawthorne's got to Collingwood? Like, you know, he's not quick. So Collingwood had that run, everybody run, you know, and cover. Um, now, whether he, he'll be able to be the crumbing forward to Lewis and Choll, because Collingwood, again, didn't have those really tall targets up forward um, that they could, you know, they could take the crumb off. Connor McDonald, the favourite here, Con, as we oh, like yeah, to call yeah. him at Hawks Insiders. How's he tracking? Yeah, flying, you know. Surprise, yeah. Every time someone puts out a team, he's not in it. You know, just shows it's crazy. People, don't people, watch. people just don't understand. <laughs> they don't watch. You know, he he went into the middle in the second half of a match sim last week and looked as clean as any of them. You know, and he's got that opportunity. And I read something I think last week that might have been one of the assistant coaches saying he's got that. Might be David Hale, and he said he's got that burst of speed that they want to use on the outside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's flying. He's like, I'm a rep for his kicking. I think he's a great kick and he's got good vision. Um, yeah, so no, he's, yeah. There aren't, of course, there's not many that aren't flying, but you know, aside from Will Day, they're all having a crack, I think. Yep. Okay, Brad. Just another quick one for Mick on Connor. Uh, with Carl at Amon going back to the, you know, he's going to be playing as a half back. The two wing spots up for grabs. I think CJ is going to get one while reports. He's been playing wing this preseason and, you know, flying. Sam loves him. But can Conor McDonald play on the, the other wing or do you think he'll play it safe and go with the Harry Morrison type? Well, it's been an interesting watch. 
connections. The other one is D'Ambrosio. So they've played both D'Ambrosio and Amon off halfback and the other's gone to the wing in a couple of matches and opportunities. Uh, Morrison and CJ have played the wing. Butler's done a little bit of wing work and so has McDonald. So they're probably, and so is um, Dylan Moore. So they're probably the, you know, the six are going to try and fight for three spots potentially in that area. Um, yeah, the Amon D'Ambrosio one is, is an interesting watch because they have purposely changed them in a couple of match sims for a half or a quarter and the others go on the other spot. So again, um, that might be something that has to be worked out in the next two or three weeks. D'Ambrosio is a lovely kick. He's execution a couple of times. Like he hasn't seen blokes coming in from the side, so his passes have been intercepted. So his vision, sometimes just think, does he have tunnel vision? He's got that peripheral view of the ground, uh, particularly when you're doing the 45 kick coming, coming off half back. You can really then leave yourself exposed. Um, so it's probably a work in progress, I'd suggest. So Mick, we'll sort of take this in a slightly different direction. So Darren's written an excellent piece on the Substack today about Blake Hardwick. We'll put, uh, we'll trust, we'll, 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 we'll want to hear this from you because you actually have watched more of the preseason than the rest of us combined, I think. What are they doing with Hardwick? Is it just uh, a, a summer ruse? Is it now past the point of no return where he's done so much training with the Fords, he has to play there? For the start of the season, what's your gut feel and why they're doing it, and how does he fit in? I think the gut, I, my gut feel, it's got as much to do with leg speed as anything else in the back half. I'll put a thing in Barrett's, um, um, what we call them today, tweet today, you know, late just this afternoon, saying, you know, I see the back half as being, let me just bring it up, um, Sicily, Blank, Scrimshaw, Impey, Weddle, and then Amon, D'Ambrosio. And Impy probably doing the lockdown role. Um, so watching Hardwick do the the long runs, he hasn't got a tank either. Um, or not a, you know, he's got a tank, but he's not relative to the others. Um, and he has got that hit up lead in the forward half. He's a good mark, and he's a very good kick for goal. So you know, and again, I think Luke Bruce said a couple of weeks ago, Jamie Elliott equivalent role, that type of thing. Um, so. They've invested that much into it unless they, again, they're going to have to change the whole dynamic in the next two weeks to get it back to put him in the back half. But he's done everything forward other than perhaps a quarter in one of the matches about two weeks ago. So I think we're probably you know, all, all chips in at the moment until um, things go otherwise, I'd suggest. Darren, you wrote the article. What are, what are your thoughts? Well, it was interesting hearing everyone talk about where the forward pressure is coming from. And it's, it's probably a point that I neglected in the article. Um, and uh, one of our readers, um, I think it was GDK, made that point in that uh, this may be about injecting that sort of forward pressure as much as it is about playing to Hardwick's um, sort of junior strengths as a junior um, and trying to revitalise you know, his career and, 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 and maybe revitalise our forward line and, uh, you know, make our back line a bit more offensively minded than it's been in the past. So it's just so intriguing. And I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't know how it came across in the article, but I'm not, I'm not completely sold. I've, I, I saw Hardwick in the forward line a few times last year. Mitchell was definitely flirting with it. Uh, I didn't love it. I wasn't really convinced. But um, 
you know, with the preseason training with him in that role, I think he's going to play a bit closer to goal than anyone uh, probably imagines. Uh, so he's going to play out of probably play out of the goal square as a as that sort of hit up forward. I don't think he's going to play too high. Um, it's 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 really interesting, and I think it makes our forward line probably one of the most dynamic um, and impossible to predict um, going into next season. It's you, you can't set your watch to what Mitchell's going to do with that forward line, and it's it's a bunch of players that all have completely different attributes. So, Daz, yeah, that's. I reckon you had me with the, the end of the article, which was, you know, if this is what they're choosing to do, and we have no reason to doubt the progress that's being made and the tinkering and the position changes and all of that sort of stuff. At the end of the day, if after three or four or six or seven weeks it's not working, they'll just put him back in defence. So, you know, it's it's another season where we're we're all on board with um, not necessarily an expectation of playing finals. Probably still a little hope of it, and we know the players all think uh, or have certainly projected that they want to. But again, like this is another season to be able to try stuff like this. And like you said at the end of the article, Daz, if it doesn't work, we can just put him back in the back line. Yeah, and it, it, it's a good point. And again, it's another free hit season, whether we like it or not, for, for Sam Mitchell. I don't think he's in the gun. And even if we do finish below last year's position, as, as long as people consider um, that progress, I think, he'll be safe. Um, so, But I think this is the season where we're probably going to see a bit more of a glimpse as to how Sam Mitchell wants to play. And I think he's building a structure that um, doesn't just stand up to finals, but is the competition's benchmark that other teams are going to try and replicate and break down. I don't think he's he's very much departed from the Clarko Let's look at this other the other teams, the the opposition structures, and figure out how we break them down. I think he wants the competition to chase chase the Hawks, and I think this is year one of them trying to implement implement that. I want to ask Nick about one last player, and then we're going to move on uh, to a couple of bits and pieces. Uh, is Jack Scrimshaw uh, reports that the pennies dropped? He's flying. He was smashing in the. Uh, Beep tests and the time trials and that sort of thing. How's he looking? Is he an absolute walk-up start for round one, possibly even a centre-half back? Uh, what's your thoughts on Scrimshaw? Yeah, definitely, Ash. You know, he's he's even admitted himself that he was, he was slack last year. Um, no, he's running well. Again, he seems to be more engaged. Now, again, that's just purely observationally. You, you can't tell from... You know, where I sit, but you know, he just seems to be more engaged with the whole the group in the, and in the smaller activities, you know, the, the drills where they break away. Um, but no, he's I think he's a lock at the moment. The one that has been has caught my eye as an interest is Joe Sarong. How he how he'll fit in. Because he's got the tank and the height. And I'm thinking, you know, you you want someone to run with say Jeremy Cameron. None of leaving Weddle out of it, Sicily blank. Um, can't do it. Um, so if you're looking at those types of players in in the forward half, um, he might be a might be a smoky, so to speak, at some point. So Mick, which end of the ground has he been training predominantly? Back half, so, back half, back half. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not convinced Sam Frost is going to be in the best team 
round run. He's had a bit of a delayed start there pre-season. I'm just wondering whether Frosty's the one who might, uh, you know, be be uh, a joy for a lot of supporters if it turns out to be the case. But I'm not convinced Frosty's the uh, walk-up start, even though as highly rated as he is, they might roll the dice and see how they can go without him for the first few weeks, and clearing a spot for Scrimshaw and to be the key position player and giving Sarong a chance. Can't wait to see what happens in the. Uh, practice matches which are far away. I imagine um, I don't know if you've heard what you've heard, Nick, but I imagine they must have the, the full-on intra-club. I know there's been a fairly serious uh, match sim session, including the one today, but the full-on official intra-club mustn't be far away. Have you heard any uh, news of when that is? I haven't heard anything other than there's that because we've got, we've got the Bulldogs twice. Yeah. There's the one on the 19th, which is the, the informal one, so to speak. So there must be something they won't do two in that one week, so you think it'd be the week before. So you'd be get, I'd be guessing, you know, that week potentially. But it nothing, might be around the the ninth, yeah. eighth or ninth yeah. or something like that. Late yeah. that week, I reckon, is where yeah. it could potentially be. Um, I yeah, uh, I'll catch up with the club for a couple other things later in the week. I'll try and find out when that is and uh, when that is, and let people know. Nick, thank you. That has been wonderful. Uh, stay. If there's anything else you want to add to other stuff we're going to talk about, but. Uh, your input has been fantastic. We really appreciate uh, the lengths you go to to uh, find out what's actually going on. We don't normally do this, but we're doing a shout-out. Um, one of our very loyal followers of Hawks Insiders, a guy called Matt Petrie, hasn't been feeling all that great lately. He sent us a, a, a message how much he's enjoying, the uh, how much he loves the spaces, how happy he is that we're back. Uh, Matt, uh, keep well, chin up, and... We've got lots of great content for you over the course of the season. So uh, we look forward to you returning to full health very, very soon. A um, bit of the news to the Hawks. I said we want to wrap this up pretty promptly tonight, even a bit early. It's a long season and we're just uh, getting started. Um, is that James Blank has signed a two-year contract extension. Um, a nice bit of video from the football club with Sam Mitchell talking about how he might be the most meaningful player to come out of box for the last few years, even more so for reasons he explained well than John Newcomb, who's everyone's poster boy for the Box Hill Hawthorne alignment of late. Uh, what is your Yeah, I think you just cut out there, but can you hear me at the moment? Yep. You could cut awesome. Oh, not sure about Ash, but um, in terms of the James Blank re-signing, I think we all know it was a formality. I think we know that there's been an investment in him and everything points to him being um, not only our pretty much guaranteed fullback for the entire season, but um, effectively pinning our hopes on him turning into a solid key defender for the future. So I think that two-year contract extension was um, was an absolute formality and, yeah, very, very happy to see him committed and see how he goes this year. Another 20 games plus under his belt. I think we've lost Ash. All right, we're wrapping it up then. Uh, <laughs> uh, when no, that's that's not how it works, Daz. I'm pretty sure that uh, when one soldier goes down, you just replace that's him it. with another. Isn't it? Um, 
uh, we'll wait for Ash, who's going to jump out and jump back in. I think um, the other huge piece of news, and it's probably apt that I get to talk about this while Ash is offline, um, is obviously the signing today or the announcement today of uh, Ruffy being back in the fold. Uh, Tom Morris broke the news nice and early and everyone jumped on. And I mean, I'd just like to put out there that um, whilst some other um, Hawthorne fan socials are claiming to have um, picked it uh, as early as anyone else, I'm going to go out there and actually say that, um, that it's Ash and I, I went back through the archives um, at the end of 2022 talking about Ruffy and how his tenure at St Kilda was purely going to be uh, a, a warm-up and a lead-in into him coming back into the fold in a list-based position under Sammy. Now, Ash, I think we've got you, and back. I, hopefully you heard that that sentiment. Do you um, you, you happy to claim claim the fact that you've been spouting <laughs> for well over twelve months now? Well, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not going to say that I broke the news or anything that was asked you that today, but it's been on the cards for a while. Um, interesting feedback that I've heard from people who know Ruffy um, that. Uh, he found some children an interesting place to work. Uh, I don't know if this is 100% true, but the suggestion that he hadn't been there for very long when he worked out uh, why they'd only won one premiership. Um, but clearly he's not, and we've seen the we've seen what's happening at that football club. He's not one of Ross Lyons' people, which is not to say he's not uh, he's not very capable, um, but Ross Lyon wants his own people across the footy club, all the key appointments in the football department in just about every instance instance except for I think two, Damon Carroll, the Hawthorne person originally, and Corey Enright are all Ross Lyon acolytes from back in the time. Jack Noll wrote a good piece in the age which suggests that if St Kilda had a golden era since sixty six it was under Ross Lyon sort of at the end of you know, oh nine, ten, eleven that period. So that's that's their royalty and their background in the club and that's might well be a good point. But uh wasn't over Ash, as early as the weekend I heard that he wasn't hundred percent sure to come back to uh, Hawthorne. Other clubs were talking to him so I think the offer from Sammy's pretty and uh, Mark McKenzie's pretty compelling. Yeah, I'm sure he had plenty of good offers, but I mean, we've spoken about it before with with Sammy when you know he went over to West Coast and we knew he was going into that coaching role. And whilst you never know what's going to happen and you hope it all works out, you openly say that actually the best thing is to get to another club and see how it works and see how they operate. And and especially when you've been part of the fabric and the environment for such a long time, you, you just need to have those different experiences if you're going to end up in a position like this back at the club. So, you know, there was always that sense that hopefully at one point he comes back. And despite the fact that he went to a club, as you described and as you love describing as often as you possibly can that is um culturally um culturally deficient ab- <laughs> well all right i was gonna say just dripping in abject 
failure, uh, but uh, we'll just say deficient, you know, that, that will have taught him a lot and he will bring that back to the fold. So it's, it's a great thing that he went to another club, got that experience, and it's even, an even better thing that he made the decision to come back and, and he's obviously buying into everything that's happening at the club. Des? Well, I think the most interesting thing about Roughhead coming back is, you know, obviously there's the romantic element, but it's the role. Um, so he's going to be the player acquisition manager for trade and free agency. And I think that gives us a bit of a hint as to where Hawthorne actually is in this rebuild. We've had a few years now of hitting the draft really hard. We, we you know, obviously made some key trades in this offseason with uh, D'Ambrosio and Chol and, and, and sort of getting Gunston back and Ginnivan as well. But um, I think having that dedicated resource to trade and free agency, and there's some pretty prized free agents coming up um, over the next few years, I think that just, uh, to me, hints where Hawthorne is in, exactly is in this rebuild. It's a pretty cushy job in a lot of ways. He basically just goes and watches footy and tape of players at other clubs and then sort of tries to mount the case to how they would work at Hawthorne. But he's always had a very strong... I know he did a fair bit of coaching in his first couple of years at St Kilda, um, but his passion, even when he was towards the end of his time as a player at Hawthorne, his passion was the player, was list management. So I think it's a it's a tailor-made role for him. I'm fascinated to see. Basically, he's taking probably, I don't know, a third of... Um, Mark McKenzie's work off him. So that's uh, wonder how that was sold internally um, because really, uh, you know, the, as list manager, free agent and trade was Mark McKenzie's role as well. And we would see every uh, trade period that uh, Mark McKenzie was the, the club spokesman um, for for that part of, of that time of year. So it's fascinating to see what happens, whether Ruffy is now the front man for the club come the trade, which will be fantastic. I think he'll be terrific in that role as well. So, but the goodwill, um, Daz, uh, the excitement that it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty dry position a lot of ways, but it's also, I guess, exciting position given how much people love that part of the game. The love in the room this afternoon when Hawthorne broke the news. Oh, it's terrific. And, you know, it's, again, Mitchell just bringing the band back together and, Bringing some of the our, our favourite players from the that three that incredible three P the era back into the fold, you know maybe Cyril's next in the small forward coach uh, specialist role, and um, that would that would that would really cap it off. But yeah, it's uh, Jared Ruffett is 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 one of the Hawthorne greats, and to to do what he did off the back of uh, an absolute uh, the hell that he went through with cancer and then to come back and captain the club a year later, I think it's, uh, he's just one of the, the, the greatest ever Hawthorne people. And he, his game, his final game against the Gold Coast is, is one that I'll remember forever. It was one of the, one of the best days at the footy. Danny Prince, welcome. Um, good to have you here. My, so my question for you is, is the appointment of Jared Ruffhead into this role, uh, is that acknowledged by the club that uh, they've been to the well a few times and fallen just short with um, players in other clubs, and most notably, but one being um, uh, Ben Mackay. Is this a, a recognition by the club that the cup of coffee with Dylan Moore, they need to do a bit more than that to try and get players across the line? 
Yeah, look, I think it probably is. I think it, it's a combination of uh, of a couple of things, and and does touch on it before. I think it's a it it speaks volumes to where the Hawks believe their list is at to employ somebody in a very specific role, focusing on free agents, uh, especially. Um, probably indicates we haven't had the success we would have liked in recent seasons, but also where our list build is currently at. We can't continue to keep hitting the draft really hard uh, and get multiple first-round picks every year if we want to progress that list stage to that peak period of you know, 60, 70 games of experience and in that right window for premiership uh, success. So we need to be able to bring in some of these free agents that plug the holes, and that's the recipe we had under Clarkson that worked is he built through the draft or the club built through the draft and then brought in really targeted people to fill in holes that we couldn't fill through drafting. So um, I just think it speaks to um, where we're at, where we're going and the need to actually put more resources towards um, that area. I think it's really um, a a smart move and and a required move. I know, um, you know, a lot of people come at Mark McKenzie just for sort of the, uh, they call him Sleepy Mark McKenzie, just for the way he kind of sort of looks and talks. But um, the reality is, if you're a free agent and Jared Ruffhead knocks on your door, you're probably going to listen to him a little bit more because he's recently retired. He's a great of the game, Coleman medalist, uh, premiership player. You know, that, that two players, current players, will have a little bit more weight to it. Um, than just another list manager from another club. So um, I think there's multiple reasons why somebody like Rufford comes into that role, uh, into that position. And um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's a I think it's a great appointment. And and far more than just um, you know bringing the boys back together. Although I think it's really really clear that Mitchell has wanted to um, make sure that the old boys do come back into the fold in various different ways as well. Two, two more to go. We've got uh, get Rioli back in the fold and uh, and Franklin too. Hodge, Hodge as well. Oh, Hodge as well. Yeah. Um, Hodge, a hundred percent. Yeah, Hodge. We've got best. Well, Hodge with the boy, but Hodge is. I mean, Hodge will tell people. I'm. Um, you know, I've, 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 he hasn't disowned Hawthorne or anything like that. Just, you know, he's still got that strong attachment. We're talking about this ad nauseum. Uh, he's, he's, he'll have that emotional attachment to Brisbane for as long as their former teammates of his there, and until such time as they win a premiership. So. That is something that um, is there, but I think obviously whether Buddy will uh, sort of uh, show some sort of allegiance to the Hawthorne Footy Club. Certainly, there were pictures on social media of him holidaying with Ruffy and Lewis recently. So I wonder whether they've had a word in his ear. Certainly, Lewis is back in the fold. It's actually a thought I had, Brad. I'll get you to call on this because you're um, you're along with me, the NFL expert here. Um, the way the Hawthorne structure the department now is very much along the lines of American NFL. NFL teams have two, basically two personnel departments. They have the college personnel department and they have teams who just scout the college players. And then they have a um, the pro pers- what they call the pro personnel department who scout the and, and scout the lists of other teams. So I'm thinking Hawthorne are, are going down that path now. Absolutely. And we know that Sam has spent a lot of time uh, in the States. He's obviously been uh, to Europe as well. He's spent a lot of time in an American hospital. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll probably touch on what we heard in the last uh, few weeks. He's had a rough uh, run, Sam, but he has spent a lot of time at the professional clubs overseas. I'm pretty sure he spent time with Steve Kerr at the Golden State uh, Warriors. Uh, Clarko uh, did that as well. 
and he obviously spent time with uh, Postacoglu at our Tottenham. So he likes to go overseas and learn from the successful clubs overseas. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, good point. And uh, Ruffy has. Uh, but he went to Tottenham, right? Yeah, to Spurs. Yeah, but you said successful clubs overseas. I think oh, Andy's done a pretty good job. I can take that. Take that Fair offline. Call. To, Fair call. I'm a should, little, have, should have gone to Everton, actually. I'm a little chat to Sean um, I think Andrew's done a brilliant job with the Spurs this season, considering how decimated they've been with injuries. But I think uh, the Ruffy appointment's going to be unbelievable. And I'm not sure how much he had to do with St Kilda's uh, recruiting over the last couple of years. I'm sure he did have a bit to do with it. But they've drafted arguably as well as any club has in the last couple of years. When you look at Philippou, Owens, uh, Nazaira, Wanganin as well. So he's going to come in. He's going to do a brilliant job. And as Daz touched on, I think we see or Daz, Prinzi as well. If you're a young kid or if you're a young, uh, you know, free agent uh, coming through, Ruffy comes uh, to talk uh, to you, you're going to listen. Patrick, good evening. I was just going to say, isn't it almost like the perfect time to be going into the like free agency and that thing? If we've got Ruffy and then we've got the start of the new facility that we'll be able to show players, like it's probably almost perfect timing for the club to be looking at it, targeting players. For those of you who had 9.14pm in the... When will Patrick talk about Dingley Pool? Congratulations, you are tonight's winner. Very good points, both of them, Patrick. Um <laughs> Absolutely. The Dingley is rising out of the ground very quickly and that will be a point of interest. But I think Ruffy, as a couple of you said, I think Jared Ruffhead sitting down and talking to you about uh, selling you on on a role at the Hawthorne Footy Club, I think he will mount a fairly compelling case. He really does know football and he knows that side of the business. So uh, it is a great appointment to be welcomed by all of us. There's really only one thing I also wanted to talk about before, and then we'll go to uh, some comments and what have you before we go. And Patrick, you are the very first to sign up for uh, our live event on the 30th of March, so we thank you. And we're really looking forward to uh, uh, meeting you in person on the night. Um, Brad, you can't comment on this because uh, you are a bit compromised with this conversation, but Channel Bloody 7, or Bloody Channel 7, decides, you know, towards the end of the cricket and I think during their NFL uh, programming as well to start their AFL promotion for next season with lots of exciting uh, visuals about the new season. One Hawthorne player was pictured. His name is Fergus Green. He no longer plays for the club. Darren, the media is your account. Is this further evidence that Channel 7 hates Hawthorne? Oh, I think it's plainly obvious. And AFL hates Hawthorne and um, probably... Well, the Prime Minister doesn't hate Hawthorne. He, he's a Hawthorne supporter. The Premier but, hates um, Hawthorne. The Premier hates Hawthorne. The ex-Premier hates Hawthorne. Uh, it's just us against the world, which is kind of where we where we want to be, where we're at our best. We've got Kane Corns on our side, though, let's be honest. Not Damo, though. Damo hates Hawthorne. Um, that's made that plainly obvious. Okay, Kane's done the full mea but seriously, how poor is it for Channel 7 to run this ad? And who they we think of eight players they could have put on that ad, they on they could have had Weddle for the excitement, uh, Newcomb, Will Day, um, 
Mitch Lewis, Sicily, doing all sorts of players. They chose a player who doesn't play for the club anymore. It really is disappointing. Wow. And you, you, all some people on title feel a bit uh, short, uh, got the short shift again from seven. Yeah, uh, look, it's interesting because I think Kane's a good barometer of where we're at. And, you know, from the irrelevant Hawks to him now wanting five or six players on his on the back of his Guernsey. So we've got a really exciting contingent of players that I think are going to be poster boys of the competition in the next three or four years. So I think, yeah, it's it's it just shows how, um, you, you know, we're not a prime-time footy team yet, unfortunately. Um, and, I, look, I think it's just more fuel for, for these players to prove everyone wrong and to to get those Friday night games and to get the recognition um, and to, you know, to make Hawthorne a prime-time footy team again. I, I totally agree with you, Ash, in terms of, um, like, this is a multi-squillion-dollar television rights deal that, that they've bought into. And I just think it actually wouldn't have mattered whether it was Hawthorne or another club to have a player as part of the promo, one player from a team that's no longer on the club's list, with all due respect to who's put that together, like the the work experience kid should not be putting that that uh, promo together, and it, yeah, it shouldn't matter which club it's from. Like it's actually ridiculous that they'd have someone who's not on a list anymore. It's absurd. It's quite interesting how many people I've spoken to since the fixture came out. People in the sports, in the AFL industry, in the sports media industry, who have who are staggered, and people have got no particular fondness for Hawthorne. People are absolutely staggered that Channel 7 did not put the Hawthorne-Collingwood game on a Friday or Thursday night in prime time, given all the uh, all the talking points out of the game. And they, it, it just adds, and, you know, I've not I've made you one for wearing the tinfoil hats, but it does make me think, and, we, and even after Hawthorne lobbied the AFL and tried to mount a case, it does make me think that the AFL decided Hawthorne have to jump through more hoops and prove themselves far more than a lot of other clubs before they get involved in prime time again. I actually think they might be a bit worried about if it's a if if if, if the game's a blowout, that the commentators will have no choice but to start talking about the uh, the cultural review because you've got to fill the time. And uh, Brad, that's where we'll get you involved with your background, and maybe that actually worries them that uh, they won't they won't help. Yeah, but I have no choice but to talk about it, and that just tarnishes the AFL's brand in primetime. It's an interesting point, Ash, but we've seen in the last few years that doesn't matter where the clubs are on the ladder, Hawthorne and Collingwood usually play really high-quality games. Like Our record against Collingwood the last probably three or four seasons, even though we've been... Ten seasons. Hawthorne lost twice to Collingwood in about ten years. Yeah, but more like, you know, we finished bottom four, three of the last four years, and yet last year we comprehensively beat them. Uh, The year before we started quite poorly, we only lost, I think, by a kick in the end. Like you you mentioned as well, the storylines out of the game will be massive. So even, you know, if it's a bit of a blowout, it doesn't really matter. It's it, it's really, really poor. I get it. It's going to be the end of um, the round, you know, the gather round. What is a 4.45 kickoff on a Sunday afternoon, which is a poor, you know, which is not a great time slot. It'll obviously be on Fox as well, not Channel 7. Um, it's really disappointing. And, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we did speak about it, I think, late last year. We thought 
Collingwood Hawthorne, that could have been one of the rare chances for us early on in the year to get a Thursday or a Friday night game. So, yeah, it is very disappointing. Patrick? I was just going to say, surely, firstly, surely it's the AFL punishing us over the cultural review. And secondly, I know I shouldn't mention it on this one. It also feels a bit like when when I was listening to Drain Russell and he's almost having to ask what number Josh Weddle got to Hawthorne people. It's like when half our games are going to be on Foxtel, how do you not know this stuff yet? Well, Dwayne just took his copy of the season guide today, so he will soon know. Weezy, you want to say something? I was just going to say, Ash, if if the concern is um, there being a smashing when we're on prime time and not wanting to talk about the cultural review, you couldn't then pit us up against uh, a worse opponent than Collingwood, right, if you're worried about that being the topic of conversation because you can't really get stuck into us and our cultural issues in the past when you've got Collingwood, (laughs) Collingwood in front of you at the same time. This is true. Yes, me. But the other issues, we get them twice. Yeah. Premier's playing, where did we finish? Third last? Fourth last? Yeah, you always yeah. get to get a couple of teams in the top six. I think there is a carrot for Hawthorne if they play well. If you look at the games that the last eight or nine weeks, which games haven't been allocated, there's Geelong at Geelong, there is Collingwood at the MCG, and Carlton at the MCG. And if Hawthorne is reasonable, and given that they can't get enough of Carlton Collingwood in prime time, um, and they love Geelong. Um, I reckon it's a reasonable chance. If even they're playing, if if they're in the top ten, come that when they do the start doing the game, the schedule for the second half of the season, I think there's a sort some sort of chance I'll I'll give them a Friday night game. Yeah, the Geelong game would be interesting because you won't be able to get a ticket. Yeah, that'll be the other thing. Yeah, but I mean, you can't really complain about playing Geelong and Geelong. We said this when the fixture came out on the space last year. You can't really complain. The home games at You'd be pretty shitty if they took it off Easter Monday and the only game against Geelong was down there. But Hawthorne has a home game there. Again, Hawthorne's a home team this year, Easter Monday. It'll be a standalone game. Big crowd. It'll be Hawthorne's biggest drawing game of the year, probably. Maybe Collingwood will beat it if, if it's a competitive game late in the year. So you played Geelong, Geelong. Not a big deal. It'll be absolutely special to win down there. And you'd think on paper, Hawthorne and Geelong are, are even money bet this year. So who knows? Hawthorne haven't won down Geelong for a long time. But uh, we think we've got a coach who might be able to come up with a way to make them win. As I said, I really do want to wrap this up tonight right on 9.30. So I'll just go through some of the comments that we've got in from um, from Matt. Thanks for the shout-out. Absolute pleasure. From Keith Ho, a great friend of uh, the uh, Substack and Hawks Insiders. On the debate very hard week forward, I said this previously to a mate recently, which I will repeat. Three good reasons. One, never questioned footy IQ of Mitchell and now Hickmott. Two, versatility as a player as one would. Three, may extend half his career by not letting him stagnate down back. All good points. Wok makes this point. I want to get your view on this, Danny. Keeping Frost and delisting Jacker makes me sick. And only decisions Sam's made that I haven't agreed with. Yeah, I saw Mick's response to that where he spoke about um, contract status. And I think that's a valid point. You, you know, you don't move on somebody with a year to go on a contract and you don't pay them out just to move them on even if you've got the money to do so. It's just not how footy clubs operate. You don't burn money like that um, in the AFL uh, just at all. Uh, But I think the second thing is Emerson Jack has proven nothing. So um, I I don't really see the fascination with him. He proved for half a season that he was a good VFL footballer and 
did nothing in his opportunities at AFL football, can't keep his body right in any way, shape or form. And I just think you can't persist with those guys for longer than we did with him. And he, he had opportunities and he didn't make them count and he got the boot. I think it was the right decision. I don't think a player like Emerson Jecker is somebody we need to lose sleep over. Look, I don't think um, Sam Frost will be too much longer for this Hawthorne list, but he's a stopgap solution if we need it. And he's somebody that you can put in there at a pinch if they've got, you know, multiple, um, you know, strong, tall forwards that, you know, uh, James Sicily or Jack Scrimshaw can't go with. Uh, but the reality is there's a there's a really key, uh, key back-sized um, hole on our list that needs to be filled in the next year and a half. He's also a great bloke and an incredible clubman, and they all love him and his leadership off the field and all of the stuff that he's done um, around the club and in the community as well. So that adds further weight to the um, to another reason. And it's obviously about what happens on the field and winning premierships and that sort of stuff as to why you just wouldn't burn his contract when he's so highly regarded for what he brings off field. Um. Uh, from Damien, this would be at Ruffy, Unreal News, Rob McCartney also mentioned that they plan to make further appointments in list management in the next 12 months. So, yeah, I think as the soft cap uh, increases and improves, they'll be putting more into their list management for sure, which does, as we've talked about, suggest they're going to start being very aggressive. Uh, from Patrick, why the heck does a do- match him against the Dogs have to be during the day? Because that's when they play these games. They're not designed to be for spectators. They're designed just they're, – they're, it's, it's – pure business for the clubs. From Rowan, interesting point here. Channel 7 may give us a better run when our supporters turn up in better numbers. Empty seats, level one, Shane Warne stand most of the time, but also reflect our poor fixture and poor membership value for money. We're going to probably do a deep dive into membership later on because a few people think the Hawks' membership packages aren't as brilliant and uh, they charge a lot of money and we don't always get great value for money, so that'll be a good conversation to have. I'd, well, the club's Hawthorne actually averaged 50,000 for its MCG home games last year. It was about the best attendance that had it um, at best average and aggregate attendance as the MCG home games for a long time. So I'm not quite sure that's right. But, yeah, there are always large gaps. There are Hawthorne people who buy their seats, I think, even now after all these years, just buy their seats so they can be eligible to buy final tickets, and that's when they come to the footy. So, But uh, you can't argue with the numbers, 80,000 members year after year after year is a pretty good tally, and there are several clubs in Victoria who would kill to have Hawthorne's membership. Um, from uh, Roscoe, bring Angeball to Hawthorne. I'll leave that for the round ball gurus, which I am not to discuss later on. Um, and also for Roscoe, Mitchell Agenius for the Corns thing. Guy hated us until he went on SEN once every uh, couple of weeks for the Corns show. Since then, Corns has been positive about Sam and the Hawks. Sam, high IQ player. I couldn't agree more with that. I think it's one of the best things the Hawthorne comms team have done. He's put Mitchell on SEN once a fortnight. He's brought Kane around. Kane is an influencer. If we like him or hate him, he's an influencer. He shapes opinions. People listen to what he has to say. Hawthorne's comms strategy has been pretty good. I think they've been they've had a really good summer. They've put players up uh, fairly regular uh, media conferences. Great to see how they play the... Um, the new media policy this year, which every player has to be made available after a game, and every player who played has to be available within 72 hours of a game finishing. I think um, there's not enough media around to service that in any shape or form, so there'll still be plenty of weeks when there's not much Hawthorne content out there because there's no journos, not enough journos to cover them. But it'll be interesting to see how forthcoming they're going to be. Collingwood, 
are the trendsetters, they're the clubhouse leaders in terms of that content uh, in, in, in terms of their work with the media and everyone else, is, including the Hawks, are playing catch-up. So that is going to be a very interesting thing. So that pretty much wraps up what I'm saying. One last comment. I'm leaving this one to you, Daz. David King has been going around watching different clubs, practice matches and training sessions, uh, went to Richmond today, and this sentence, I just want a quick comment before we finish up. Kaczynski, dot, 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 not sure, can't be dropping lace outers. Well, he must have been watching someone else because that doesn't sound like my boy, Jason, uh, what's his name again? <laughs> Justin Kaczynski. Um, <laughs> or even Jake uh, Kaczynski. Uh, but I assume you're going to me because I've been the ultimate um, cosy apologist. Well, once you leave the club, you you lose all um, all brownie points and favours from me. So that sounds like uh, a bust of a trade for Richmond, and they're going to be finishing in the bottom four. Yeah, well, if he's the if they're holding the hopes in Cosy, uh, they may have a couple of uh, problems that they have to deal with. Sorry, a bit of background noise at my place. That is going to be the space tonight. Uh, Weezy, one last uh, uh, plug for the live show. Yeah. Um, Until next week's live plug. For the March 13 live show. Yes. We have sold a number of tickets during this space and we're well past the halfway mark. So it, it is going to sell out. So if you want to come, th- this isn't a push because we are going to sell all of the tickets. This is a push that if you want to come, jump on and buy them to avoid actually being disappointed of not getting into the room because we've got maximum capacity. So please jump on, grab the tickets. We want to see you all uh, on the 13th for the live show. And the Glen Free Hotel are also uh, very keen that you uh, uh, buy, uh, buy a few beers and have a have a nice, lovely meal while you're there as well. So uh, make an evening of it with your friends and uh, and provide some great entertainment. It's really going to be a lot of fun. Um, so that has been it. Uh, thanks, everyone, for your support. As always, Hawks Insiders, we're gearing up for another great year um, with lots of great content. Also, don't forget the Substack, uh, $5 a month, $50 a year for really good Hawthorne content. We're in the process of mapping out. How the year's going to look, it's going to be a lot of the same, a few new wrinkles, a couple of new voices, we hope, as well, will be appearing regularly, which I think will be good for everybody. A bit of freshened up. Uh, never heard anybody. So that is the plan. Uh, Brad, thank you. Thanks, everyone. Great show tonight. Looking forward to catching up and seeing everyone at uh, the function and uh, chatting in the coming weeks. And, Danny, thanks for joining us in progress. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I missed the start. Um Poor start to the year by me, but I promise I'll work hard over the rest of the preseason and be re- cherry ripe for round one. And uh, Daz and Weezy, thank you as always for your great contributions. Thanks, Ash, and don't don't fret, Prinzy. That uh, Spurs drive by has you back to square pegging. Thanks to you too, Ash. Yeah, good to be back, everybody. We will talk to you again on Hawks Insiders uh, this time next week. Look forward to it. Keep uh, in the Substack. And uh, if any breaking news uh, happens with the Hawks in the meantime, be sure to check us out. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week. Talk to you next week. Good night. This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne Footy Club coverage.